climate tech has uh, sort of defied defied the odds, and um, we've seen. In fact, we've seen while while the broader market has seen a significant dip in in overall funding volumes, uh, I think climate has has uh, has seen an increase. Hi everyone, and welcome to Funding a Better Future. This is a new series of bite-sized episodes featuring the expert insights of climate tech investors. My name's Cherry, and I'm the founder of Above and Beyond Recruitment. We partner with climate tech startups and we help them to scale and grow either by recruiting for them and helping them to grow out their teams or by offering talent advisory and consulting services. And this series is aimed at founders and leaders of climate tech businesses, specifically anyone who's looking to raise investment this year. We're hoping to give you a realistic picture of the current investment market, as well as some tips to give you the best chances of fundraising success and hopefully a network of individuals that you can reach out to when the time is right. Today, we are joined by Arjun Jairaj from AO PropTech. AO PropTech is Europe's largest VC firm focused on the built world. They back mission-driven entrepreneurs who are driving disruption in real estate, decarbonizing the built environment and accelerating sustainable living. Arjun focuses on investment opportunities in smart building, energy efficiency and electrification amongst other areas. And he's involved in researching, analyzing and evaluating potential target investments across Europe and the US. With a background in M&A, due diligence, managing a startup and private equity investing, he has a wealth, no pun intended, of knowledge that founders can benefit from. So Arjun, thank you so much for joining me today. Are you happy to kick off by introducing in a little bit more detail the work that AO PropTech does specifically around decarbonization? Absolutely, and thank you for having me, Cherry. Um, uh, I think I think you did a good job capturing what we are uh, on the whole, but uh, specifically within climate, um, the, the way we approach it is the, the built environment um, accounts for about 40% of greenhouse gas emissions, and that comes from both how we design and build these buildings and materials that we use in the embodied carbon, uh, but also the energy we use over over the lifetime of these uh, of these buildings. Uh, and so, it, you know, when you when you look at it, 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 the built sector probably is the single biggest lever for us to address climate change. And so, what we've been looking yeah. at is that are addressing uh, the entire value chain from how we can you know de- design and build buildings better uh, for the future, but also actively working on how we can make our existing buildings um, a lot greener um, and maybe you know going above and beyond that as well um, we're looking at how we can use um, technology to also optimize the way the industry um, can make its decisions and um, and accelerate the pathway to change because as you know uh, real estate construction and and, and allied or affiliated industries are, are rather uh, fragmented, um, and so uh, we see we see digitization as as a key way of enabling this industry to really accelerate on its uh, on its path to sustainability. Fantastic, yeah, and I, yeah, that that summary there of forty percent that's a huge figure, isn't it? So, like you said, one of the the key levers that we can pull in addressing both the building of new buildings and then how we maintain and heat the existing buildings is, like you said, a, a, a huge huge potential solution there. Brilliant. Um, so I'm asking everybody that I speak to throughout the course of this series the, the same three questions. And so so your answers and your opinion on these would be hugely appreciated. Um, so the first one being, uh, what is your opinion of the funding landscape for this year? Anyone out there looking to raise? How 
you know, how should they be feeling about that? <laughs> yeah, I think it should come as no surprise that for for the sector venture as a whole, I think the funding environment has been a little bit subdued. Uh, there are a few challenges yeah. in the macro environment and, you know, the, the big fallout that we've had um, since you know, the rate rises and everything. Uh, but what we've seen is that uh, climate, you know, has not only been resilient, but has been heating up. Uh, and sorry for those puns, but um, it, in many ways, uh, you know, this has been supported by, you know, unprecedented levels of sort of um, emerging regulation and, and state-backed incentives. Uh, and also, uh, for the first time, a broad uh, sort of business and corporate buy-in into the importance really to, to be able to meet not only the the long distant uh, net zero targets that have been set, but also to make good on on the intermediate and shorter term objectives as well. So it's safe to say that that climate tech has uh, sort of defied defied the odds, and uh, we've seen. In fact, we've seen while while the broader market has seen a significant dip in in overall funding volumes, uh, I think climate has has uh, has seen an increase, um, and uh, and this is not just isolated to any one market in Europe uh, across the board, but also in the, in, in the United States. Uh, and I think Europe has also um, had to deal with this um, more so because of the the crisis in in Ukraine, so the energy crisis. Um, that that's sort of uh, brought brought a lot of things to the fore, really, uh, and so uh, so yeah, I think it's a good it's a good landscape. And in terms of valuations as well, I know I know that this is something that founders often worry about, and just does a lot of, you know to, to many degrees, rightly so. Uh, but we've seen climate valuations, uh, while overall valuations have come down, I think climate tech businesses are still commanding a a premium versus market peers, and uh, and that should make it easier on the board even for founders to access capital. Good. Well, that's a pretty positive picture by the sounds of it. So good. Hopefully that will give some founders out there some confidence for this year, uh, which I know has, has been a bit lacking in some parts. So that's that's you know, well received. Thank you. Um, and, and secondly, what, what are you kind of most excited about in the climate tech space this year? I mean, obviously, decarbonisation of real estate and prop tech specific, but but within that, are there particular areas that you're particularly excited about this year? Yeah, and, and before I dive into what we're really excited about for the short term, I think, you know, we mentioned a couple of the things that we really like in terms of um, the energy transition. Energy, I think, is is everyone's favorite sector within climate as well. Um, but also, um, when we look at the environment, we keep, we keep, we're open to, to, you know, opportunities across the life cycle. Some of the other statistics that are always interesting, you know, when you look at the waste from construction, I think it's somewhere along the lines of one third of all solid waste comes from construction. Uh, and so we're, we're always going to be looking at a, a range of business models here uh, from, you know, tackling resource scarcity and things such as water, but also waste management and circular business models, because we think things such as reuse and recovery are just fundamentally uh, what's needed at scale. Uh, and we continue to also look at emerging technologies, bio-based building materials and, and breakthrough innovation. But I think for 2023 uh, and the shorter term in particular, uh, there's, there's the two things that we're most excited by. Uh, uh, first, the energy transition. Um, I think uh, as we see more sort of decentralized assets entering the grid, 
um, and um, EV adoption and the likes, we just see uh, a, a sort of a, there's going to be a lot more complexity in managing the grid, managing these assets. Um, the incentives and, and participation of new stakeholders have also changed. Um, and so we think that there's plenty of scope and potential for businesses that are that are building solutions to tackle uh, the administrative burden uh, and um, and the new landscape of, of, of decentralized energy. So think about things such as um, billing automation or managing these assets at scale, which which really you know present very different systems, uh, different problems to sort of current systems where where uh, where the centralization and and the the emphasis on utility and you know large scale um, generation just made it easier in some ways to concentrate uh, you know manage these costs and and um, and manage the stakeholders. So when when we see millions of of people and individual homeowners now becoming not just passive consumers of energy but also active participants in the grid, uh, that creates a lot of opportunity for a whole bunch of new businesses and business models. Um, and then. I suppose the second big theme really is is the retrofit opportunity, and this is another statistic that that you know um, uh, that I that I always like to, to pitch. But it's about it's somewhere to the tune of eighty to ninety percent of buildings that that will have in twenty fifty uh, buildings that are already uh, that have already been built today. Uh, and so while new build activity is is fundamentally something that we like, it's just the the existing uh, stock of buildings is a massive opportunity. And we estimate, I think it's uh, somewhere around the tune of $100 trillion in spend between now and then uh, to get these buildings to um, uh, to as close to net zero as possible. So the, so all, a host of net zero technologies, um, and not just the technologies themselves, because I think those are well understood, the likes of heat pumps and rooftop solar insulation for homes, uh, but more on the tech-enabled businesses that are uh, making it easier for customers to access this. So the B2C segment here is really interesting. Uh, for the first time, customers, um, there, there's really no you know customer journey here and, and a consumer-focused brand, really. And so there's there's plenty of opportunity to build, build around that. And then uh, for businesses too, I think we alluded, I alluded to this before, just um, it's a fragmented landscape and there's co you know complex incentives in, in real estate where it's split incentives. Um, owners and tenants are often not the same, and then you have a, a host of third-party service providers who, who maintain these buildings, who, who lease them and perform other professional services. Uh, so we think that there's a real need for technology to stitch these, uh, stitch the ecosystem together to create, um, you know, access to financing and access to the uh, network of contractors and installers. Uh, and also advise on, you know, the ROI and everything on, on some of these initiatives because the upfront cost of a lot of these systems can be pretty significant and and you're looking at ROIs that are sort of determined in, in many years. So um, so it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting area as well. Brilliant. So energy transitions then and retrofit solutions, but less the actual solid solutions themselves and more the technology that enables access and roll-up out of those solutions at scale. Brilliant. Absolutely. Um, and, and in terms of the stage of companies that, that AO PropTech tend to invest in, do you tend to look more at the kind of pre-seed, seed, series A? What what sort of level do you guys tend to get involved oh, yeah, sure. Really, we're, we're anywhere from post-seed, so about series A to series 
uh, and and up to Series C. Uh, but but in terms of we are flexible a little bit, and we understand that you know this is a space where um, there's not only an influx of sort of um, it's an emerging space. So sometimes we we, we might be prepared to uh, to get a ticket a bit earlier. Uh, but we, I, I don't think we do too many pre-seed or seed, so I think we'll stick to what we know best. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, brilliant. And um, the final question that, that I've been asking people is, what advice would you give to any founders in that space at that stage of their journey that were looking to raise this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like I said, uh, funding for climate has been, has is, is, is continued to, to um, be really favourable. Uh, I think for founders, it, it, the the environment should be good for climate. It's just maybe in some sectors might be uh, a bit easier than others. Like I said, energy is is top of mind, uh, whereas things like maybe uh, water or circular models on reuse might might not be the most urgent or sort of topical themes. Um, so so there's going to be a little bit of variation in in the, in the sort of the experience that founders have. Uh, but overall, I'd say because the market is is favorable, uh, because there are these immense uh, market tailwinds and, and short-term catalysts as well that are that really, if you think about the IRA or the European, you know, Green Deal, which which uh, you know are committing uh, hundreds of billions or up to a trillion euros in, in funding uh, for climate technology, it really changes the unit economics of of uh, you know emerging technologies. So, make these things uh, profitable right from the get-go. Uh, and so sustained support like this is great to have. And we think that it only makes sense to capture, you know, the bull by the horns here. And, um, and so I would say raise and, uh, it, and, and potentially also uh, one of the, one of the, one of the things that we noted that was challenging for a lot of our portfolio companies in the, in the run up to uh, 2022 was, uh, the the opportunity to get high quality talent but since you know in the wake of some of the layoffs that we've seen in tech i think there's a there's a great opportunity to get uh you know some very talented people on board and we've seen that with a uh, more climate focused businesses it's easier to attract people to it because the mission is so significant and and people want to do good as well and and, and uh, have an impact uh so so it it's always easier to hire for these roles but but now you have the ability to access some of the brightest people out there and, and I think it makes a difference so um, so yeah and well-funded companies I think just it's always a, it's always easier uh, once you have the fund the money in the bank. Excellent so so hiring great people are there any other kind of parts of, of their business they should be kind of I mean what, when you're about to invest in a company what are the kind of key key things that you would specifically look for you think that, that they need to make sure they're on top of across all areas? Yeah, I think I think that comes down to uh, sort of the stage that we're investing in. But I, I'd say that overall, and, and maybe I, I should have covered this as part of the, the previous question um, as well. But um, even though it's a great environment, uh, I think the emphasis of a lot of investors has shifted in terms of really scrutinizing sort of the unit economics um, uh, in, a, in a more clear pathway to sort of profitability or uh, positive cash flows versus growth at all costs, and uh, and so with these businesses, I think sometimes it's important to get the basics right, so to be able to showcase, um, you know, a pathway to get there. The interesting thing about a lot of climate businesses that are capital intensive is just 
um, that you're really using um, venture money to prove out, you know, proof of concept to do pilot facilities, but then, but then you have a, um, you've got, you, they have the need to then demonstrate that they can access uh, different different pools of capital really and scale. Uh, so I would urge founders to sort of think about where their business model lies in the value stack. Uh, software is going to be very different from hardware, and even within hardware, there's a difference between things that lend themselves more towards sort of like commodity and scale production versus um, things that are maybe more uh, slightly more bespoke value add or, or, or high ticket. So, so there's there's a whole bunch of things to think about, and I think for us as well, it's it's just been um, this has always been important. So. Uh, you know, relying more on sort of um, financial models and, and trying to understand fundamentally if the business makes sense and, and not not expect, you know, just scale outcomes to justify uh, a business's ability to survive. And I think the other thing is it's it's been good in the sense that uh, the um, the fact that the fact that we're no longer rushing to close deals in, in a couple of weeks, I think gives both sides, both the founders and, and the investors to sort of at least get to know each other better and and to understand the businesses and and what drives the investors more as well so fit has always been really important i think the pandemic made it difficult to build those relationships before investing um i think and i think that often trumps a lot of other things as well we see we see a lot of great businesses a lot of great founders but uh, but we like knowing that um you know for the for the long period that we intend to be stakeholders investors and advisors to the business uh, that we were aligned with our founders, we're aligned with the long-term values and mission. So, so that's that's always brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for that. Um, and if anybody off the off the back of this kind of thinks, oh, okay, like, I, I think I'm doing work that that they would be interested in, um, how how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? Oh yeah, um, you know you can always email me at arjun at aoproptech.com. Uh, we've also got a, a you know a form through our website if, if you prefer but yeah always happy to uh, to meet founders who have done amazing things in this space so. brilliant that's great well thank you so much for your time today Arjun I really appreciate it um, I think there's loads of value in there um, for founders um, who, who are looking to raise this year so I really appreciate you for sharing that with us um, yeah thanks very much bye everyone bye. thank you for listening Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.
Fantastic. Yeah, and I yeah that that summary there of forty percent. That's a huge figure, isn't it? So, like you said, one of the, the key levers that we can pull in addressing both the building of new buildings and then how we maintain and heat the existing buildings is, like you said, a, a, a huge, huge potential solution there. Brilliant. Um, so, I'm asking everybody that I speak to throughout the course of this series the, the same three questions. And so, so your answers and your opinion on these would be hugely appreciated. Um, so, the first one being, uh, what is your opinion of the funding landscape for this year? Anyone out there looking to raise? How, you know, how should they be feeling about that? <laughs> yeah, I think it should come as no surprise that for for the sector venture as a whole, I think the funding environment has been a little bit subdued. Uh, there are a few challenges in the macro environment, and you know, the the big fallout that we've had um, since you know, rate rises and everything. Uh, but what we've seen is that uh, climate you know, has not only been resilient, but has been heating up, uh, and sorry for those puns, but um, in many ways, uh, you know, this has been supported by, you know, unprecedented levels of sort of um, emerging regulation and, and state-backed incentives, uh, and also uh, for the first time, a broad uh, sort of business and corporate buy-in into the importance really to, to be able to meet not only the the long distance uh, net zero targets that have been set, but also to make good on on the intermediate and shorter term objectives as well. So it's safe to say that that climate tech has uh, sort of defied defied the odds, and uh, we've seen, in fact, we've seen while while the broader market has seen a significant dip in in overall funding volumes, uh, I think climate has has uh, has seen an increase, um, and uh, and this is not just isolated to any one market in Europe uh, across the board, but also in the, in the United States. Uh, and I think Europe has also um, had to deal with this um, more so because of the, the crisis in, in Ukraine, so the energy crisis um, that, that's sort of uh, brought, brought a lot of things to the fore, really. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, I think it's a good it's a good landscape. And in terms of valuations as well, I know I know that this is something that founders often worry about and to, to a lot, of, you know, to, to many degrees, rightly so. Uh, but we've seen climate valuations, uh, while overall valuations have come down, I think climate tech businesses are still commanding a, a premium versus market peers. And uh, and that should make it easier on the board even for founders to, to access capital. Um, 